You're listening to The Jay Barker Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Illustrated, Matt Coulter, a former Alabama Broadcaster of the Year and longtime media personality, and Christian Miller, a national championship winning linebacker at Alabama who was drafted by the Carolina Panthers. Here's Lars, Matt, and Christian. after the game can you just kind of bring us through what that night was and then these last few days what, what you've been doing yeah i was able to do some extra testing just to make sure everything was good uh, not after the game and then get a few things done uh to help the treatment kind of start off and then the next few days has just kind of been i mean all day thing where you're just doing either treatment or rehab or watching film and uh i, I, I had to take Brittany to a few places with me so i can be around the kids a little bit but uh it's a full day thing where you're trying to make sure that you're obviously prepared for the Bengals and the great football team. That's uh, that's the way you lead the show on the NFL weekend, and of course there are many great storylines. Not the the least of which here in Alabama is the play of Jalen Hurts, but overall nationally the story, Lars, is Patrick Mahomes, and we have discussed and and Christian has offered his. I don't think he ever had a high ankle sprain, but he knows more about the treatment. And more importantly, the time it takes to recover from that injury. And that's the story. And and then inside that story is you don't know how bad it hurts. But from what I understand, it does hurt. But is he 90%? Is he 50%? Lars, you got the crystal ball over there. Yeah. Um, you know, there has been film released of him. I mean, first it was him walking out of the press conference, which was analyzed as much as the Zapruder film. You know that reference. Yes, I do. <laughs> Most people don't. That was the film that captured uh, the Kennedy assassination um, from the grassy knoll. No, actually, I don't think he was standing in the grassy knoll. No, he was on the other side. Yeah, he was but... on the other side. Um, and then we had film from him at practice where he was running around and he looked perfectly fine. But what I want to ask Christian when we get him on is <laughs> there's a big difference between jogging around on the practice field and then when the bullets are flying. And so we'll see because such a big part of Mahomes' game if you go back and rewatch the three times they've played Cincinnati, he has made so many plays outside of the pocket. Uh, the Bengals are, are are pretty good at um, keeping, just like maintaining uh, their sort of I don't even know the term in football, like their uh, gap integrity or lane integrity when they're rushing the quarterback and and just keeping the quarterback in that pocket. But Mahomes is able to escape, and Mahomes' creativity, his improvisational skills are second to none, and that's what makes him so special. But and he's And he's special from the pocket, too. There's no question about it. However... It's his right ankle, so that's your your plant foot when you're throwing. And we saw him against Jacksonville uh, just kind of come up short on a few throws because he couldn't sort of use that ankle as a, a launching mechanism. And so, um, you know, the, the spread has swung 
just wildly. Let me see where it is right now. Uh, it, the Chiefs now, I think, are favored by one and a half. This says at, one. Or one. Know, uh, and, but you had the Bengals at just two days ago up two and a half. And then you're thinking, okay, people in Vegas know something that we don't, and they usually do. And now, um, you know, since that that film was released of of, uh, Patrick at practice, uh, the pendulum has swung back to the Chiefs being favored by one. But in the NFL, the home team is worth three points, right? Right. Yep. So on a, on a neutral field, the, the Bengals would really be favored by two. Am I correct on that? Yes, you are. And yet, Your math is good and, there, and, and, and the, Yeah. <laughs> hey, if we get much more complex than this, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, so let's call in uh, the son of the rocket scientist, uh, the man sitting across from me here. But um, so on a neutral field, the Bengals would be favored by two. However... These ESPN analytics, I, I don't get it. The, the win probability, I think it is the biggest bunch of garbage I've ever seen. Um, we the, overdo it so much. I mean, the, the, so the, the yes. win probability for, for Kansas City is 65%, uh, according to ESPN. But you know what? The Bengals have been underdogs uh, in the last three times they've been on the road. When they went to Tennessee last year in Nashville, a game that I attended, uh, they were underdogs and they won. They went to Kansas City in the AFC Championship game. They were underdogs and they won. Last week, they went to Buffalo. They were underdogs and they won. So, you know, take it for what it's worth. Um, and what is what is Joe Burrow's record versus Patrick Mahomes? Can, can we three, throw that yeah, out? Three and oh, okay. three and oh, three and oh. Uh, I actually was texting with uh, not to name drop, but I I, I love the name drop. Yeah, who, who doesn't love the name drop? I uh, I was texting with Joe's dad, Jimmy. Yeah, well, he's been on our show. Yeah, so uh, and a really uh, good guy, former coach. Times. I mean, he's a good guy. Former Nebraska player, market. Twelve oh five. Just turned to six. But you <laughs> got it in just under Man, the six. That that might be a record. Um and, and 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 so we have a Nebraska connection. Yeah, really, really good guy, and um, man, he's just like he's very confident in Joe and how he's playing right now. He's playing the the best, according to Jimmy, and I think you know, according to pretty much everybody who pays attention, he's playing the best football of his career. And you you go back. Right, uh, three years ago, he wins the national championship. Arguably, has the greatest season ever for a college quarterback. Two years ago, he uh, has this horrible ACL MCL injury. Last year, gets to the Super Bowl. This year, he's in the AFC Championship game. I mean, the guy is just a winner. He's just a winner, and he doesn't have the strongest arm. Um, I think his mobility is is underrated. His escapability to make plays, but the guy just wins, and he's and and, and there's a <laughs> he made a comment coming off the field at Buffalo, and he said he didn't even remember it because it was so in the moment, and he said it to Mike Hilton. Uh, the the corner, the slot corner for the Bengals. It was right after he threw 
touchdown pass to Hayden Hurst to give the Bengals a 14 nothing lead. And Hilton comes up to him, and Joe says, I'm him. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that awesome? Yeah, it is. I'm him. And he's uh and everybody's trying to figure out well what does that really mean? It means like you know what? In this game who that of all alpha males, he's the king of the alpha males. There you go. Um just a, a candid question for you. How long do you think Joe Burrow would last on a beach before he got really sunburned? <laughs> he's pasty, isn't he? He is. Um, but he, he's almost as white as I am. No, I think well, he's Well, actually, you're, you're pretty white, too. Yeah, I am, too. I, I've got a lot of Scot, Scottish and Irish. And I, got, I'm, and, I got a lot of Norwegian. Uh, in yeah, me. and that's – but anyway, uh, not to pick on Joe at any level. Hey, we need to talk about what's going to happen in Philadelphia, San Francisco, Philadelphia. Uh, give me your thoughts there. Uh, a lot of people are just loading up on Philadelphia. Let me give you the line here. Uh, the Eagles are favored by two and a half. There's something sneaky about San Francisco. And and you and I have kind of agreed here that um, since the acquisition of Christian McCaffrey, kind of the pick here. Uh, but then again, you look at the other side. Who can beat Mahomes? Then there's Burrow. But is your money on Brock Purdy here? No. It is not. It is absolutely not. Uh, it's been interesting uh, going back and watching Iowa State play Oklahoma when Brock Purdy was the starter uh, at Iowa State and Jalen was a starter at Oklahoma, and they played this epic game that went back and forth, and, and Purdy led this comeback. Oklahoma, or it's uh, 42-41 really late in the game, and uh, Iowa State had just scored, and they decided to go for two and try to go for the win. And actually, it it looked like the the, – I think it was the tight end. um, He had the ball in his hands, and it got ripped out by Oklahoma defender, a really nice play by the Oklahoma defender. So Oklahoma won the game 42-41, and that was the last time that these two met. Now – you you need to go and sort of analyze what has Brock Purdy done here. Well, he hasn't lost a start, but I think he's only gone on the road once. If I'm, I, I could be mistaken, maybe twice. I'll I'll look. This but 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 he certainly has not gone into a place like Philadelphia, <laughs> which uh, and like, that's not like just being on the road. Yeah. As you just emphasized, that's being in the city of brotherly love. Yeah, and it's a cross country flight, and you know it's uh, it's a uh, it's it's the place where they booed Santa Claus, right? And uh, all those years ago, <laughs> I mean, we could, you know they've done a mini documentary on that. It's quite entertaining <laughs> when they booed Santa yeah, Claus. Yeah. They interview the guy and they interview the people, and then I think at the very end when he was walking off, they were chunking snowballs at him, <laughs> and he was. Just a guy in a Santa Claus. Anyway, but but, uh, I but you know what? But Brock Purdy keeps exceeding our expectations. He's he's even more than a game manager. He has uh, he's making plays. I mean, he I, I think right now uh, that he needs to be the starter for this team moving forward. 
And and suddenly Trey Lance, who they gave up a king's ransom to trade up and get at number two, and we all thought they were going to take Mac Jones at number two. I, I think Trey Lance, who's had injury issues and really hasn't been able to get on the field that much, and he didn't play that much football at North Dakota State, but has just an unbelievable skill set. I think they're going to probably trade him in the offseason because this is now Brock Purdy's team. I, I think he's proven that much and uh, and been that successful. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I think we, you know, we need to continue breaking down these two games, you know, during uh, during the entirety of this show, because both games are, are, are fascinating to me. Fast, are. Absolutely fascinating. You know what I really wish, and this is very selfish, but I bet I'm not alone. I wish they played one Saturday night and one Sunday night. Back to back, especially for you. Uh, yeah. Because you, you've got to wait, right? I got to wait till 530. Oh, but, hey, we're, we're getting our, our, our spot at Buffalo Wild Wings. Who's the uh, manager on, over there? On, I need on, to give him a two, call. Buffalo Wild Wings on 280. Come and join us. Uh, we had some listeners join us last week. Hey, and, listen, and, I want to uh, interrupt you and say you better bring your big boy pants. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we had uh, uh, Robin and her husband, who coached high school football for 31 years, they joined us last week, and you know what? They just fit right in. Um, game day, Robin. She knows more about football than you and I combined, and uh, I can't wait to see her again on Sunday. Uh, and, of course, we're going to get there like it. Oh, know. well, y'all be watching the entire well, well, yeah. first That's just a pregame. That's your tailgate show. Yeah. Hey, you're listening to Big Noon Sports with Lars, Christian, and Matt. I want to get back and, and talk about the Steve Wilkes deal. That's beginning to really, really bother me. The best sports talk in Alabama. This is Big Noon Sports. Want to know what's going on with the Crimson Tide? Download the Tide 100.9 app today. What does it feel like to file with TaxLayer and get your guaranteed maximum refund? It feels like the last level of a video game, facing off against the final boss who stands between you and your refund. Partly to mostly sunny, the high 59. And for Sunday, wet weather is back. Cloudy with occasional rain, the high Sunday 58. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 52 degrees in Tuscaloosa. San Francisco, Philadelphia is the afternoon game. The evening game is Cincinnati at Kansas City. Uh, Christian Miller joins us from our studios at Tide over in Tuscaloosa. You got just some quick thoughts, uh, not even the predictions, but uh, I guess what I really want to ask you, and I know we've done this before, did you ever have a high ankle sprain? Yeah, I have. So give us the details on recovery. Oh, you know, typically the, it can be, you know, weeks um, to recover from a high ankle sprain, sometimes longer, um, just depends. But it's it's much different than your, your low ankle sprain or your typical ankle sprain that most people suffer where they kind of tweak an ankle or they kind of roll it. You know, it's a, a lot uh, it's a lot more severe than than that type of sprain. 
Um, usually, you have a very tough time putting weight on your on, on your on your leg, and and it's it's very uh, immobilizing uh, at least for the first week or so. Um, you, you generally you would use crutches uh, initially after suffering the injury. So um, it's something that that typically takes uh, quite the recovery time. You know, guys that I played with that also had them in college, we used to have what we call a tightrope surgery option where they'd go in there and they'd kind of uh, offer some support for the uh, the high ankle sprain and, and help, you know, uh, speed up the recovery time. Uh, but obviously he doesn't have time to do anything like that. <laughs> so um, he's just probably having to go through uh, rehab 24-7. Uh, anytime he's not uh, on the practice field, he's probably experiencing some form of rehab. You know, we used to do that at Alabama. Sometimes we'd bring in, you know, uh, stem machines or ice packs or heat packs into meetings. So I can imagine they have him doing re- rehab around the clock. Um, I saw a clip of him kind of, you know, moving around at practice. He seemed to be moving fine, much better than uh, I was moving uh, a few days after suffering in high ankles, uh, a high ankle sprain. So uh, tip my hat to the training staff at the Kansas City Chiefs. But um, I still expect him to be, um, you know, impaired you know, it to, to an extent because, you know, he can move around and whatnot, but in terms of, you know, being a hundred percent, there's absolutely no way possible. He's going to feel a hundred percent. So he's going to be playing through some pain. Um, I'm curious to see if that, you know, hinders him in terms of his throwing ability, really being able to drive the football. You know, I know it's going to hinder his legs and his ability to, to evade pressure and move around the pocket. I don't expect him to scramble by any means if he doesn't have to. Um, so uh, definitely going to have to, to, to keep an eye on that, but I, I, like I said, it, it, a high ankle sprain is, is not which you, you know, you can roll your ankle in the yard. That That's not a high ankle sprain. High ankle sprain is a little bit higher. It, it, it involves kind of like the, the lower leg area where, you know, closer in the shin. And, and it just, man, it's, it's a very painful injury. And it's hard to have that strength and support um, when you're dealing with the high ankle sprain. So that's that's pretty much the gist of it. When I went through it, uh, my recovery time was several weeks. I missed probably three or four games. And even when I was cleared to play, I still, you know, was playing maybe at around 80 percent. You know, it just was tough to plan on it, you know, really change direction without experience pain or feeling, you know, like it, my, my foot was just wasn't as supported as it typically is. OK, Christian, a, a couple questions for you. What does the rehab actually look like and what is a stem machine? Um, Rehab looks like. Going in there initially, you know, you're trying to, you know, uh, prevent the inflammation and swelling to the best of your ability. Um, so the first phase is typically, you know, lots of ice and stem. Um, and to answer your question about stem, it's kind of like electronic uh, electric pulses, uh, uh, to my knowledge, um, that kind of activates the 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 area of the injury, you know, like the muscles and the and the, the ligaments and whatnot. Probably be better if we had uh, Lyle on here with sports, uh, with the yeah. Andrew Sports yeah. Medicine to really break it down because I'm kind of just offering uh, my experiences. I'm not a qualified medical personnel, but um, yeah, you know, again, more things to kind of um, you know calm the area down and kind of get it to settle down a little bit because again, when you experience an injury, your body is going in straight into recovery mode. It's it's going to swell up and. Um, and it's going to do what it needs to do to, to heal. So you try to take care of that first, and then you start working your way up to some strengthening exercises, um, working you know the areas around the ankle. You do a lot of you know calf work. Um, you know you'll do like little exercises. Like we used to do things like picking up marbles with your feet, like your toes. We'll have marbles in, in a cup, and you, mm. you pick the marbles up with your toes, put them in a cup. 
um, a lot of band work. You know, they'll they'll do resistance exercises with a band. But again, um, the first few days, really, I mean, it's it's almost so sensitive and, and painful that you can't really do that strength work work yet. You have to really get it to calm down first, um, and then you hit that phase. So that's why I'm just impressed that he's making the recovery that he is because he's he's really flying through it. And uh, to to be where he's at, you know, moving around is, is really impressive. Um, and, and I'm sure there's different degrees to these. So maybe his wasn't as bad as some of the others we've seen. But again, typically when I've seen, you know, high ankle sprains, I think Mac Jones suffered one. You know, he was out several weeks. We saw him kind of screaming as he went in the tunnel. Um, yeah. So that just shows you the extent that they can be. Maybe Patrick's isn't as bad. Um, but I know, again, even in my experience, uh, there was no way I was going to be able to play the the following week. Um, so, but so, so we we all saw the video of Patrick running around at practice uh, yesterday, and um, I think based on that, that's what moved the spread in Las Vegas by uh, Cincinnati being favored to suddenly Kansas City being favored. What if it was a video from three weeks ago? I don't think it was. <laughs> it wasn't. But yeah, but um, I mean, it, my first thought, Christian, was, yeah, he he looks, you know, he he looks fine jogging around, but isn't there a radical difference between jogging around during uh, warm ups for practice and actually playing in a championship game? Absolutely. Um, you know, again, I've seen guys who. You know, have, you know, pretty bad knee injuries, but you can see them, you know, jogging around. They can jog in a straight line, but in terms of cutting, changing direction, being able to plant, you know, we're talking about he's a quarterback. His power comes, you know, from, you know, putting his foot in the ground, planting and using his hips and, and whatnot to throw the football and really drive the football. I mean, I'd imagine uh, if you're, you know, hindered on a leg and you basically kind of only have one strong leg, you know, it probably would. Um, you know, hinder your performance in terms of, you know, throwing the football, which can lead to accuracy issues if, you know, because you got to think about it, like it's muscle memory, you know, and and when you're, when you have an injury, you guys know this, like you start doing things slightly different to kind of compensate for that pain or that weakness, right? So I'd imagine, you know, his, his throwing mechanisms could be slightly altered because there's, you know, the pain and a weakness in, in that ankle and that leg, um, but I know for a fact he's not going to be able to move around like he wants to. Now, again, we see him jogging around in practice, and that's great news. That's that's a huge first step. Um, but like you just mentioned, Lars, that's a huge difference between um, having you know pass rushers like Nick Bosa coming at you off the edge and you're having to step up in the pocket and, and escape them. And I mean, um, he's definitely going to be slowed down uh, for sure. Is this an injury? By the way, you listen to Big Noon Sports. Great conversation with Christian Miller, Lars Anderson, myself, Matt Coulter. Is this an injury that you can take a shot? I mean, is there an injection? Or is it, it would appear to me that it would be in a place that you really couldn't numb anything. Did you? Is that a possibility? I didn't get any shots or injections. But, I mean, if I'm being honest with you, you can, you can shoot up pretty much any area uh, to kind of help with pain. Um, but, uh, again, just because you're, you know, Helping with the pain, number one, it's not going to just make all the pain go away. You're still going to feel something. And number two, if, if something's weak, it's weak, right? So, I mean, and, and three, you have to be careful doing that because sometimes you're masking that pain and you really have a chance of further injuring yourself much worse. I mean, because, again, a high ankle sprain is, is basically like tearing up the ligaments that connect your shin bones, the tibia and fibula. So yeah. anytime those things are moving, like, it causes great pain because that ligament is stretched or damaged, right? So 
you probably can shoot it up, Matt, but um, it's not going to be perfect. Even I've gotten you know shot up before, and you you still are going to feel some degree of pain. I, I would think you'd have to, particularly mm-hmm. in a joint that is. Uh, I mean, you, you put so much weight on it. Right. I mean, well, no, so much. You put all your weight on it. And then, as you have mentioned in Lars as well, the cutting, to me, would seem to be the real issue. Exactly. Yeah. And it's um, – the Bengals are going to test him out right away, right? And they're going to see – or, or, you know, actually, it's a better question for Christian. I mean, don't you think that right away they're going to pressure him and see if he can get – out of the pocket and if he can scramble and and do uh, his thing where he just improvises. That answer on the other side of this break. You're listening to Big Noon Sports. From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. My brother-in-law died suddenly and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. Something is returning to Birmingham that I just think is so cool, and it's been 15 years. And that's the first round of the NCAA tournament will be with us in less than two months. And you've I, been around it. I, I mean, it's I just nothing that. like it. I covered that 15 years ago. It was, uh, it's, you know what? It's a real, so it, for, for a reporter, it's a really long day. Uh, it's a long it's day, four, but it's a cool. It, it's, if you're, four, are, it's four Were you filing games. four stories? Yes. You know, we usually would focus on one, and but you, you still got to do something on the other three. Anyway. It's a great day. If you're a basketball junkie, you need to be there. We're going to talk about that in the second hour with one of the assistant commissioners of the Southeastern Conference, Jeremy Hammond, and I just wanted to kind of tease that uh, because he will be on at 1.15. Now, you had a question for Christian Miller. Yeah, so, Christian, I know we kind of uh, talked about this the other day, but what do you think Cincinnati's defense is going to do sort of right at, at, on the first series? Like, are they going to try to figure out exactly how healthy that ankle is of Mahomes? If I was a defensive coordinator, I would. I mean, uh, we saw their aggressive nature against the Buffalo Bills. Um, they brought a lot of pressure, specifically from the secondary position. Uh, I think it was a Cam Taylor-Britt who they kept sending on those pressures, um, who, who was uh, – I think he – Pretty much, I thought it was a forced fumble, um, but yeah, they called it incomplete. But, um, yeah, I, I think the defensive coordinator for, for the Bengals um, should go out there and be aggressive. And, again, I'm not, you know, trying to injure guys, but I'm just saying, you know, strategically, if you have a quarterback that's a little wounded, you know, you want to, you know, test his toughness and, and, and really test him, you know. So I would I would send those guys on, on pressures and, and blitzes. But, again, you also have two really good defensive ends, and Trey Hendrickson and Sam Hubbard. So those guys are already going to be, um, you know, getting after the quarterback. So, uh, yeah, if I'm the defensive coordinator for the Bengals, I'm definitely going to go after Mahomes um, early on and try to set the tone and, and let him know that, hey, you know, we're, we're, we're coming. So we're going, to, we're going to test that ankle and see how ready you really are. Yeah, and I would expect Kansas City to try to establish the run. Um they didn't in the last year's AFC championship 
they really abandoned the run in the second half, and that was what allowed Cincinnati to come back uh, from an 18-point deficit. Um, so I, I just wonder how much Kansas City's game plan is going to change. But again, like you, the, the, the casual fan, and myself included, seeing the video of Mahomes running around, he, he looked perfectly fine. But, uh, but Christian, you're saying there's just no way possible that he's perfectly fine. Well, I'm, I mean, again, I'm not him. I don't know what he's feeling. But yeah. I, my experience on having that injury, I know the timetable for my return and how I felt going through the progression of the rehab stages. I know my teammates at Alabama who had high ankle sprains, whether it was Tua or Anthony Jennings, and those guys were always out uh, at the minimum of, I mean, I think the earliest they came back might have been like three weeks, and that was with heavy taping, braces, and they weren't even moving around at 100%. And that was three weeks. They still were maybe at 80%. And I think those two guys had the tightrope surgery. I didn't. So we're talking about a guy who didn't have this tightrope surgery, and he just suffered this injury last week. That's why I believe that he's really going to be hindered. I know we see the videos, and again, jogging around is one thing, but putting your foot in the ground, planting, changing direction, really being able to play how you want to play, play like the Patrick Mahomes that we know uh, is capable of playing, I just don't see that happening. Speaking to the running issue, um, Kansas City, did they not just, we talked about this on Wednesday, elevate Edward Solaire? I believe they did when they made the cornerback move and then uh cincinnati Cincinnati kind of but um and was it not just a couple of years ago that he was instrumental oh yeah in kansas city's success that season so the former lsu running back and christian i don't know if did you play in that game where he he had a few yards against alabama I played against him. I, I don't remember what specific game you're talking about but yeah i played against him he's a a hell of a running back he is uh, a total package guy. Um, he's kind of like one of those, you know, bowling ball builds. You know, he's a short guy, but he's got a strong base. Um, very elusive, very shifty, uh, but he's an excellent pass catcher out of the backfield. Um, does really well running in between the tackles and on the perimeter. So he's a he's a very dynamic running back, and uh, he adds a lot um, of of uh, you know talent to that uh, offense of Kansas City. So having him back will, uh, will be a huge addition. I think they also have Jarek McKinnon who's, who's done a great job for them as well, but um, yeah. to be able to have both yeah, those guys he, he kinda, um, will help a lot. Yeah. McKinnon kind of came out of nowhere and, uh, he has really been a strong player. Um, I, I think Edwards Lair is still, uh, up, up in the air. I, I think they have a little bit more time to decide uh, whether or not they're going to elevate him from IR. I don't know if they've necessarily made a decision on him yet. Um, but I did just see this, and this is kind of troubling, that um, you know Tua was named the first alternate uh, to the uh, Pro Bowl for the AFC um, but uh, he is not allowed, not going to be allowed to play because he's still in concussion protocol. Um, and there, he said that the, that there is not any setback, but they are just uh, being very deliberative uh, and deliberate in in making sure that he's okay. So he's been he's now been in concussion protocol for about a month, Matt, and um, you know just. He, Tua's already said he's coming back and he's, he's going to play next year. 
the Dolphins have said he's their starter next year. But just doesn't this raise a yeah. bit of a red flag that he's now been in not, concussion protocol for a month? Not not a little bit, a lot. And um, we got to take this stuff seriously. And obviously the Dolphins are. And making that report public, I, I think their transparency is welcomed. Um, but, uh, again, I feel like every time we talk about an injury, we go, Christian, did you ever have a hangnail? <laughs> Christian, did yeah. you ever break your leg? Um <laughs> Have, did you ever? Were you ever hitting the bean to the point where you lost focus? No. Yeah. I uh, unfortunately uh, have had it twice, and it scared the crap out of you. But for, but first of all, you don't know it's scaring the crap out of you until you regain some consciousness. Um, is that why I'm goofy now? Because I suffered a couple in my teens. Um. Perhaps um, <laughs> when you were, and a kid, I'm not making light of when it. you were a kid, and you're playing like, uh, gosh, we have we had a name for it, which is pitch up pro- and smear. Yes, that's that's the, yeah, that's like, the polite tackle word. the guy with the football. Yeah, that right. You One, throw the it, ball in the air, somebody catches it, and everybody. It, it, yeah. yeah. So, did you ever get tackled so hard that you'd see stars? Yeah. I, that happened to me all the time, and I don't know. I don't think that was a concussion. Well, that, that might be it like sub concussive, yeah. uh, and that's what I'm getting at. Like Matt, you asked if I ever gotten hit to like, I'm, you know, I don't know the date and stuff. No, absolutely not. I mean, that that if I did, I definitely would have, you know, been in the, the protocol, or I would have told a trainer. I I take that stuff serious, but have I, you know, had my bell rung? Sure. I mean, that's going to happen when you played, you know, Division One football in the SEC and you play professional football. Um, that's why I think they need to take this this manner so serious because again these are two concussions well, and borderline three just two confirmed um, that were you know serious concussions that uh, you know caused um, you know um, issues with his mobility or some type of um, strong reaction right and I think that's why I, I'm in total agreement of them taking their time and really giving him the opportunity to recover uh, because it's not something to play with I don't. Uh, you know, take this stuff lightly because, again, you know, I know a lot of guys have played for years and I know older guys that have played and that um, deal with, with things. And, and, you know, Lars, you wrote a book, Hell, about Aaron Hernandez and how young he was and, you know, him experiencing yeah. what he experienced. So um, I, I think they need to let Tua take as much time as he needs because uh, right now football is not important for him. His life is important. Him being able to be around for his family and not only be around but be able to live a, a long, healthy life, uh, not riddled with – um, migraines and, and mood disorders, all because people were too eager to get him on a football field. Right now, that's that's completely uh, not important, in my opinion. When you were in the NFL, um, did you talk about concussions with other players, or is that subject just kind of taboo that you, you just you, you didn't go there? Uh, I'm, no, I mean, I mean, if somebody got hit, they might be, oh man, well, I, I got hit right there. But it's not like we're you know, having medical discussions about them, you know what I mean? I think it's just kind of yeah. part of the game and part of, you know, football and what you've signed up for. Um, so, no, we don't <laughs> we don't gather at lunch and discuss concussions, no. I mean, if somebody got their bell wrong, they might make a <laughs> comment. But, yeah, we're not <laughs> we're not debating, like, oh, man, who's had the worst concussion? No, nah, we don't. I mean, it's again, it's kind of what you signed up for. I'd imagine, you know, boxers are the same thing. Like, they, they know what they're signing up for, UFC fighters. It's, it's just kind of, you know, part of it. You just have to pray that – um, look, a lot of guys have rituals. Every time you, you go on a field, you, you see guys kneel, they pray. 
um because you, you're going to war man like that's really what it is so i mean you just got to pray that you stay healthy and pray that you and your whole team and the other team stays healthy because that's part of it and um you know things do happen hey i got a another bell rung question when we get back you're listening to big noon sports From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. A national championship team covering a national championship team. The best sports talk in the state. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Under the biggest cactus in town, Taco Casa. Quality is, is number one. you got to start with a good quality product, but it's got to be at a good value to the customers. Everything is about quality. You just Tomorrow, partly to mostly sunny, the high 59. And for Sunday, wet weather is back. Cloudy with occasional rain, the high Sunday, 58. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 53 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Back on Big Noon Sports, Lars Anderson, Matt Coulter, Christian Miller, and thanks to Joe Gaither over Tide and Josh Smith right here at Crawford for helping us produce this show once again. Christian, we're talking about concussion because of the Tua situation and just because of uh, its effect on collision sports in general. But you, you, you use the term that it's been around since I was playing Little League football, so I guess it's been around since we've had contact. But it's getting your bell rung, um, which is, it's not a concussion, but I guess it be, would be the early stages of it. You mentioned you've had your bell rung. Naturally, you're playing, you're playing college and NFL football. Uh, when you got your bell rung, uh, did you do anything about it? Did you pull yourself out of the game? Did you get back in? Uh, what was the situation there? And would your advice, if somebody gets their bell rung, be to... Take a take a down off. Um, yeah, I, I mean, when it when I say get your bell rung, Matt, it's just kind of like you know it's a hard hit. You know, you just kind of like got to shake it off. Um, I, I mean, I, I probably wasn't really in a position. Just I guess if I do come off, then I'm in concussion protocol. I, it wasn't. When I say that, Matt, it's not like it's it's hard to explain, right? Because it's the thing is just part of it. Like I mean, you see guys kind of just get shaken up a little bit. Um, but obviously, I guess if you want to be um, as safe as possible, yeah, you probably should take a second just to check in with yourself and make sure you're okay. Um, unfortunately, you don't really have time to necessarily do that, you know, in a live game. Um, but uh, I, I guess if I could just recommend advice, I mean, I would. Tell people to always um, treat yourself with care and then, uh, you know, take care of yourself. And if you do sense that you've experienced a concussion or anything uh, close, um, always, you know, do seek um, the advice of a medical prof uh, professional um, just to be on the safe side. Because, again, you've got to be careful with these things. And it seems like the officials now more than ever are looking at players after they take a particularly big hit and just sort of recognizing, hey, he needs to get off the field, 
right? Because he's maybe just a, a little woozy. Maybe not necessarily a concussion, but he needs to go get checked for a concussion. You, you just see that happen more often. Um, Christian, let's sw- switch gears uh, for about the five minutes we have left in this hour and look at the NFC Championship game. San Francisco traveling across the country to face Philadelphia and, and your buddy Jalen Hurts. Uh, let's start there with Jalen. Um, is your sense that he's he's 100% now off of this uh, shoulder injury? He sure looked good last week. Uh, I don't know, but, I mean, he looked good, and um, he played well, and I think he's probably had him a little more time to, to you know rehab and help it feel even better going into this matchup. So I expect him um, – uh, to play a great game, he's going to have his hands full going against that very talented 49ers defense, um, whose features you know Nick Bosa and Fred Warner and, and uh, the safety on the back end. Who reminds he's kind of like you know new age Troy Polamalu, um, Samoan guy. But mm-hmm. man, um, it's going to be a good matchup. I think it's just going to be a fun defensive matchup. You got the Eagles defense who's uh, setting records uh, almost with their their sacks this season. I think they're up to 75. I think they're third in NFL history behind like the 84 and 85 Bears, if I'm not mistaken. And then, uh, gosh, man, it's just going to be some really good football being played. So I think that's going to be the, the biggest factor in this football game is, is, is really these defenses. If if San Francisco can, can play how they, they show up and have played throughout the season, um, the Eagles are going to have their hands full. And uh, they're just going to have to uh, really help help their, their rookie quarterback out the best that they can because – um, he's going to be facing arguably the second best defense in the NFL and the, the best yeah. pass rushing defense in the Philadelphia Eagles. I mean, if you just watch them, they just terrorize people. And it's led with guys like Hassan Reddick, who I played with in Carolina. Um, gosh, he's had a great season. You got Josh Sweat, um, uh, Fletcher Cox. They just, they have so much talent up front. And um, they, they, not to mention the guys in the back end, you got two uh, Pro Bowl uh, caliber players and, and Darius Slay and James Bradbury, who I also played with in Carolina. Um, so it, this is going to be a really fun defensive matchup, and I'm really excited for it. But again, it goes both ways because we saw San Francisco and how they neutralized the Cowboys, who's one of the top five offenses in the NFL. Um, they completely neutralized them last week um, in that playoff game. So I'm really excited to watch both of these defenses. Can you uh, listen to somebody say 85 Bears without thinking about the Super Bowl shuffle? <laughs> they did a music video. That is we didn't the, come here to cause no trouble. We just that came here to do the Super was Bowl the shuffle. most personality-ridden football team maybe that in the history a, of the game. That was the best defense I've ever it, seen. It, it, is. it, it was absolutely incredible. But, um, but I, I, what I'm wondering about this game, Christian, is, is this the week that finally Brock Purdy gets exposed? Um, he's only had to go on the road twice. Uh, in week 15, he went into Seattle, which is not an easy place to play. 49ers won 21 to 13. He was 17 to 26 for 217 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions, playing very efficient football. And then in week 17, went to Las Vegas. Uh, and uh, led the 49ers to a 37-34 victory, and was 22 of, uh, or was 35 of, uh, completed 22 passes out of 35 attempts, 284 yards, two touchdowns, one pick, um, and you know his passer rating in in these games has just been so high. He's just been so efficient, but 
This is a completely different animal, I think, going into Philly. I, I don't know if you ever played in Philly, Christian. Uh, if you have, it'd be great to hear about it. But uh, just your thoughts on Brock Purdy going into the biggest game of his life. Well, we saw him, you know, kind of look a little shaky uh, against the Cowboys. And, and that's what I was saying. That Cowboys defense is a great defense as well. Now he's going against the Eagles defense. Um in Philadelphia, which, you know, again, the Eagles defense is even better than the Cowboys defense. So um, I do believe we might finally see Brock Purdy look, you know, like a like a rookie like he is. Um, now, I'm not saying he can't go out there and have a great game, but uh, this is going to be a huge challenge because, again, he's going against the best pass rushing defense in the NFL. They go along with two of the best cornerbacks in the NFL, and those are two <laughs> things that quarterbacks have to worry about. Pass rush and DBs uh, who are covering their receivers are trying to throw to. So um, I, I do expect him to uh, look a little shaky, but we'll see if he can pull it together and, and maybe his uh, San Francisco defense can help bail him out a couple times. Dar Darius Slay is such a good corner. He might be the best corner in the league, in my opinion. Speaking of defenses, the San Francisco 49ers defensive coordinator is D'Amico Ryans. He is rumored to be top dog Big Cheese number one as head coach at Denver. Back with the second hour who on Big want, News Sports. that job? Milk, eggs, 42 bucks. Ma'am, you okay? Need bucks? With Jackson Hewitt, don't wait weeks for the IRS to send your tax. Welcome back to Big Noon Sports with Lars Anderson, Matt Coulter, and Christian Miller. Back on Big Noon Sports, it's Matt, it's Lars, and Christian, Joe, and Josh. Talked a lot, in fact, the entire first hour about the NFL weekend. you got Philadelphia, San Francisco, and then you've got Kansas City and Cincinnati. But another NFL note that uh, I didn't address as much as I think I'd like to, then uh, I'm not throwing arrows at Frank Wright. I, I, I think he is a deserving coach. But the more you look at uh, the Panthers' hire of Wright and then look back over your shoulder at Steve Wilkes, the more I go... Mm, I don't like this. You know, Matt Rule went one and four. And then here comes Wilkes to peak, pick up the shambles. And he goes six and six. Guys, does that not earn you a right to coach in the, in the next season? Absolutely. It's a bad look for the Panthers. And, and, I hate and, that, and, Christian. And the, but... and the thing is about Steve Wilkes, you know, he was only given one season at Arizona as the head coach, and then he was fired. And, um, you know, um, he, uh, uh, the law firm that represent Wilkes uh, responded to the Reich, uh, Frank Reich hire by saying, quote, there is a legitimate race problem in the NFL. And, uh, and then they added um, that the, the firm would, quote, have more to say in the coming days. And I couldn't agree more. I mean, it, this is just, it, it's, it's garbage. I mean, that uh, did Frank Reich really deserve this chance? I mean, I, I understand. He, he's, he's a good coach. He's a good coach. Is he, a, but, but look what Steve Wilkes did. You know, he, 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 he righted the ship. He had Carolina 
playing at a really high level after they traded their best player. Yeah. And and he also was uh, getting um, uh, Sam Darnold, the quarterback who flamed out at at uh, with the Jets to 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 play decent. Um, and uh, again, he went six and six as the interim coach, and 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 the players. He was basically the near unanimous choice by the players to become the next head coach, permanent head coach. I, I, I don't know, Christian. Um, you know, you know these matters better than Matt and I. Uh, do you have a, a comment on this? Yeah, I can comment on it. I, me and my dad actually just did a quick little tidbit on our podcast uh, earlier about this. He wanted to talk about it. You know, he felt a little strongly about it. And uh, if we can get him on here um, in this hour, he, he would love to discuss it. Um, he offered a lot of great insight. Um, but... You know, it's one of those things where um, I do think, you know, some things can be addressed regarding, you know, uh, minority coaches in the NFL. Um, but on the flip side, I do know that they they alluded to the fact they wanted to go in an offensive-minded coaching direction and a guy with experience in the league. And, and uh, Frank Wright kind of fits that narrative. Um, but I will say it's okay to be, you know, um, happy for Frank Wright and also, you know, disappointed for – Steve Wilkes, because um, you basically just covered everything, uh, Lars. Look, he took a team. They, they fire rule after he goes one and four. Wilkes takes over. They go six and six. There's a revolving door at quarterback. They trade their best player away, and they go on um, to go six and six. And here are some of the stats of, of their improvements after he took over. They went from 24th in scoring to 15th. They went from last in yards per game to 17th and they went from 27th in rushing to sixth in rushing and they even set a franchise record for most rushing yards in a game i believe i think it was i i have to look up the number but it was something crazy um and that's all again trading christian mccaffrey away uh no stability at the quarterback position and they traded robbie anderson away their wide receiver too so with all those moving parts, everything against him, he was able to step up and display immense leadership and, and get his guys to rally. And we heard it from the guys in the locker room. I was hearing my former teammates like Shaq Thompson and Brian Burns, those guys really advocating for him because um, they, they really cared for him as a coach. They respected him um, because he's just such a great football coach, but he's also a great leader and a man of integrity. And he's from the Charlotte area. He takes such great pride in, in the Carolina area and the Carolina Panthers. So... Um, you know, it is unfortunate. I, I, I do um, really feel sorry for him and I'm disappointed that he didn't get the job. But I'm also, um, you know, happy for Frank Reich. I think he'll be a great coach. I had time um, um, in the, it was last season, actually, uh, during training camp. We had a, a joint practice set up with the Indianapolis Colts. And, um, yeah, I, I got to be around him a little bit. And he seems like a great guy. He was a great coach. Um, his players seem to really like him. So um, I'm, I'm hoping for the best for him. Um, but I also do know that Steve Wilkes uh, was more than deserving. But I, I truly feel that he'll, he'll, he will get an opportunity somewhere because he, he really has displayed his ability to be a head coach and to get the support of his guys, which is so critical. And just to really just you know be a great leader of men. And uh, he's so respected uh, around the league. So I, I really hope that he lands somewhere because he's truly deserving of it. You know, I, I want to ask your dad this when we get him on later this hour. Um, 
but what what do you think is like the number one characteristic an NFL owner should be looking for when hiring a head coach? I mean, I think you just maybe hit it on the head uh, to be a great leader of men. But is is there anything else other than you know being a leader, uh, someone who inspires and 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 you know uh, is able to somehow just you know there's so many different personalities right on a on a football team and and guys come from disparate backgrounds and uh socioeconomic backgrounds uh in in religious backgrounds but it, it it seems like a head coach gets them to rally and feel as if they're a family yeah. I mean that's what I have gotten from Zach Taylor watching him very very closely like those those guys in Cincinnati they love each other and you know what they will say that they will say that they love each other Yeah I I think if I'm being honest I think that definitely is more of a factor in college um uh, in the league it, there's you know I wouldn't say there's just one thing or one factor I'd look for you know definitely you want your your head coach should be a great leader of men, but um, I just feel like it's, it's there's so many different types of head coaches that have been successful. Um, you, you look at you know Bill Belichick versus Andy Reid, and then versus Sean McVay. I mean, those guys all are so different, and I'm sure they're great leaders. But I think in the NFL, also, quite frankly, you have to have players, man. You have to have talent. There's no way around it. And uh, again, because you just look at the coaching style of Sean McVay, Sean McVay, he's a young you know, a uh, fun guy. You know, I've heard of their practices out there being a little lighter. Um, you know, he's just a very smart, innovative, bright football coach. And I think that's why he excels. He's just a very smart guy and he has players. You have Aaron Darnold, you have, uh, you know, uh, Jalen Ramsey, right? You know, they, they went and got Matthew Stafford. Um, then you look at Bill Belichick. He's a hard-nosed, old-school, zero-tolerance you know, he had Tom Brady as his quarterback, right? And and I'm sure, you know, Bill did a great job of getting his guys to rally and whatnot, but I think it was more so his, you know, he had the players, they had the right scheme, and they had the right mentality. You know, they, they were a hard-nosed team when they were winning Super Bowls, right? You know, they didn't always have the most explosive guys at receiver, but they had a great quarterback and they had a great system, and they really um, gelled together, right? And then you look at Andy Reid with Patrick Mahomes, you know, um, He's just Andy Reid's very creative. He knows how to make his uh, put his guys in position to make plays. So if it was me and I'm looking for a head coach, I want a guy that has a system that's proven and that that is uh, effective in today's football. That's why you see guys like Sean McVay, uh, younger guys having success because their systems work right, and then they they get the players to do that, and uh, they're great leaders as well. But yeah, I think it's just tough to say because there's so many different. Uh, types of head coaches in the NFL. And, and you know, it, I feel like uh, the NFL is just a little bit different in terms of, uh, you know, the coaching style that you need compared to college. Uh, one other note I wanted to bring up. Uh, I've, I've been out a couple days uh, dealing with some stuff, but uh, th- this was uh, at the Buffalo Bills season-ending press conference. The Bills general manager, Brandon Bean, was speaking he was asked about the Bengals success right and the Bengals just throttled them just throttled them Bean goes out and he calls he calls the Bengals out 
He said um, that uh, (laughs) this is a great quote. Uh, Essentially, we don't want to suck so bad that we're drafting Jamar Chase. And then he went to he went on to attribute the Bengals' success to the fact that they're paying their quarterback uh, on a rookie deal, and Jamar Chase is on a rookie deal, and T. Higgins is on a rookie deal. Well, that's I would call that good drafting. And then he he alluded to the fact, hey, we're paying Josh Allen a hefty number, we're paying Stephon Diggs a hefty number. You know what? They traded for Stephon Diggs. You know who that draft pick became? I don't know. I don't know. Justin Jefferson. Oh. Arguably the best wide receiver in the NFL. Who is on what? A uh, rookie deal. I mean, the, the, the sour grapes syndrome in Buffalo is very bitter. Well... What a big baby. <laughs> I mean, seriously. Like, dude, he, he chose his words I very he chose his words very poorly. I don't know. He said we don't want to suck as bad as the Bengals to uh, be in a position to draft Jamar Chase. Yeah, I, there probably is a little truth to that. There I mean, they are under contract. Yeah, well, no, there's a definitely a little bit and, of truth uh, to that. You can you can afford and, to pay other guys when you don't you, you don't have to pay, you know, like all those guys are on rookie deals. You have a lot more salary cap to, to put elsewhere. Um, he obviously was taking a shot at him, but Matt, you're right. There is there's some slight truth to that. But Lars, to your point, you have to be a good uh, good drafter as well and a good um, scout uh, in terms of finding talent. And they've uh, man, they've hit the jackpot on these guys that they've drafted. So you have to give them credit there because again, I mean, it doesn't matter how many draft picks you have. Yeah. We've seen other teams. How many uh, early round picks have the Texans had in the past few years? And they're still bad, yeah. right? Well, how, how's, how, sportsmanship. How, how's Zach you know, Wilson turning out here. for the Jets? Um, <laughs> uh, I don't know. Is he still on the roster? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but, you know, uh, and like, we're te- there, there's some truth to that. I mean, they have more cap room. However, that's not the time and the place to bring it up. Congratulate the other team for whipping your butt and move along. Um how does yeah. a guy that thinks that's appropriate get to be a general manager? I don't know. It was really, a, it was a bad, a bad look. Hey, let's talk some basketball when we get back. The regionals returning to Legacy Arena right here in Birmingham, Alabama. More big noon sports coming up. Want to know what's going on with the Crimson Tide? Download the Tide 100.9 app today. Hear ye, hear ye. Thanks for coming to the town square. First, I'd like to tell you about Steve. He's a plumber. I hear he does good work. Also, Tim. Auto, partly to mostly sunny, the high 59. And for Sunday, wet weather is back. Cloudy with occasional rain, the high Sunday 58. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 54 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Hey, back on Big Noon Sports. Appreciate all of you joining us. 
right here in Birmingham. Our affiliates in uh, Tuscaloosa and the Gadsden Aniston area. Matt Coulter along with Christian Miller. There's Lars Anderson. And joining us now is Jeremy Hammond, who is SEC's Assistant Commissioner of Championships. We're going to talk some basketball and the fact that uh, Birmingham, Alabama, which it used to be a mainstay in the NCAA uh, tournament play, but we had a 15-year lull. Jeremy, first of all, welcome to the program. How are you doing? And thanks for hooking up with us. Hey, great, guys. Thanks for having us. We're excited uh, about hosting the first and second round coming up here in, in March. Uh, can you explain to us, I don't mean to dump a tough question on you off the top, why was there the lull? Was it the fact that our arena had dropped off? And I can say that. I don't know that you want to, but um, it used to be a regular deal and then not. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think it's just a factor of there's a lot of competition across the country to host um you know, any, any stage of the NCAA tournament. So I think the fact that, you know, Birmingham had the opportunity to host in, I believe, 95, 97, 03, and 2008 is a testament to, you know, what what Birmingham provides. And, you know, coming out of that 28, uh, 2008 game or 2008 tournament, um, you know, there's a lot of competition to, to host. So I think it just took some time for us to get back on the docket. And I think a lot of the work that Birmingham has done as a city uh, Legacy Arena and the BJCC and the improvements that they've made uh, was, a, was a big step in getting there to being able to host this year. Jeremy, I, I'm not sure if you can answer this question or not, but w- what are some of the logistical issues that come into play when you're trying to uh, just have this thing go off as smoothly as possible? Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of factors. Um, you know, when you think about what an opportunity we have to create a lifelong memory for the student athletes who are coming here. You know, primarily in our day-to-day at the SEC, obviously we're focused on our 7,000 student athletes and, and their experience participating in our 21 sports. And we look at this as the opportunity to expand beyond that uh, to, to other teams in our region and beyond who are going to come here to Birmingham for the tournament. Um, so it takes a lot of partners. We've got uh, a great partner in Knight Edie here locally who's helping us do a lot of the heavy lifting from an operational and logistics standpoint. Um, but the city of Birmingham, the, the airport, the CVB, the hotel community, um, obviously Legacy Arena and the BJCC, and then a, a, a huge network of volunteers. Um, so those are just some of the entities that all have to kind of work together to, to pull this off um, when you think about, you know, all the different touch points there are. Uh, that that these teams and coaches and their fan bases and their administrators are going inter- to interact with while they're here in Birmingham. So it's a, it's a heavy lift, but we're set up right to, to do it, and we've got a lot of great people here in the city to pull it off. I'll follow up. Having worked with and around Night Eighty for a while, they uh, they do a great job in event management. But you know, you guys ain't bad <laughs> with the Southeastern <laughs> Conference in event management and putting on events. And of course, it's the most renowned conference in all athletics and all of college uh, sports. But what what's the SEC's role here? Uh, so we are officially the the host. Um, so we're we're the official host for the first and second round here in Birmingham. Uh, so our role is to coordinate uh, everything here locally. Uh, to be sort of the, the the name or the face on the tournament here in Birmingham, uh, and then to provide that experience to the NCAA uh, as their partner in this. And as I said, it takes a lot more than just us. Um, but from 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 what we do from a day to day standpoint, we take a lot of pride in producing uh, you know top notch conference championships on an annual basis 
Uh, and so using that expertise and, and translating that to hosting uh, the NCAA tournament is a, a great privilege. Can, can you kind of take us behind the scenes and tell us what the process is like when uh, I assume you kind of have to present your case to the NCAA, right? Make it like a, a sales pitch. And, and does the fact that uh, the uptown area has been developed so well here in Birmingham, you now have the, the Westin Hotel, which I don't think existed the last time Birmingham hosted. Uh, just that there's so much more, uh, there's been so much more commercial development in that area. Has that made it more attractive for Birmingham to host this event? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when you put together a bid for an event like this, you're presenting um, the whole city and everything that it has to offer um, in, in, in front of the NCA and help, trying to make that decision easy for them to bring that event or tournament to, to your town. So, you know, when when this bid was awarded to Birmingham, you know, the Legacy Arena renovations weren't complete yet. So they awarded it to us based on the future of what that arena was going to look like, but also you know, the momentum and the traction that the city had made with, with improvements and additional hotels and amenities and the great restaurants uh, that we have in town here. Um, so they look at it as a total package of what, of what the city can provide and the infrastructure that's there. Um, and so, that you know, that being said, you know, in addition to all the hotels that are going to be hosting teams here in town and fans traveling from across, uh, across the country to come see their team play, you know, it's going to take, you know, the restaurant community and some of the other amenities in town uh, to be aware and stay open and uh, open early or stay open late and take advantage of, of the time we've got with, you know, thousands of fans coming to Birmingham. Do you have a guesstimate as to what the economic impact will be for the city of Birmingham? You know, I don't have a, I don't have a number uh, uh, on that off the, top, off the top of my head. I think probably some folks with the city of Birmingham and, and with the CBB probably have a more accurate number to give you there, but uh, it's a it's a significant benefit to the city. I think when you think about um, you know nine hotels uh, being booked pretty much fully solid throughout the duration of that tournament and during the load in time frame. When you think about uh, the activity that our airport is going to going to generate um, with with you know daily flights coming in with fans to attend attend the tournament. Um, you know the 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 food and, and, and beverage industry here in town and, and how they'll benefit. Um, you know, it's, it's significant. Uh, and so I don't think this is ever a situation where it's a, an event that you're going to host that you don't, you don't realize the benefit. I think the city of Birmingham will re- realize the benefit. And then it's going to, in turn, um, you know, hopefully open some doors to host more events like this in the future. We're speaking with the assistant commissioner of championships for the Southeastern Conference about the NCAA regionals coming up here in less than two months in Birmingham uh, Jeremy Hammond. Jeremy, um, you know, you'd love to have a situation where it turns out that the bracket puts like Alabama, Auburn, SEC teams in, in this particular first and second round. Do you have any influence as the SEC host here, or is that strictly up the NCAA and they're going to put whoever they want to at legacy arena? Yeah. If we, if we all could, you know, cross our fingers and make a wish, you know, that'd be great to have, you know, Southeastern Conference teams here competing in Birmingham. I still think that's, a, you know, a reality based on how teams are playing. And um, But we have no influence over that, you know, whatsoever. We find out the teams that are coming to Birmingham when the rest of the country does. So when the selection show's airing, 
you know, that Sunday at 5 p.m. Central uh, on CBS, you know, we're finding out what teams are coming to Birmingham and starting to make those preparations. So uh, there's, there's no influence. There's no wish list uh, from our end that's going to receive any consideration. Um, and we're just happy to, to welcome whoever we do get. But um, with the great basketball that's being played in our league right now and in our region, um, you know, I think uh, hopefully we've got a good shot to get some teams here that are close by, especially, you know, when you think about the Crimson Tide and Tennessee and some of the other schools in our league who are playing great ball right now. We can always just hope because uh, <laughs> it's a great event, even if you don't have a, 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 what you would call a local team. It's just great, and it's a basketball junkie's dream, particularly first couple of days. But also, uh, you know, if you're just a fan of the city and everything, go and attend. And that leads me to kind of wrap this thing up with you, Jeremy. The dates are March 16th, that's a Thursday, and then March 18th, that's a Saturday. Uh, I would assume tickets are already on presale. Can you give us information, uh, phone numbers, websites? How do people find out about attending? Yeah, absolutely. So if you are interested in attending, we've sold a lot of tickets already. There's a lot of great interest um, that's been realized already through through ticket sales. There are still tickets available while while somewhat limited. But if you go to NCAATickets.com, you can click through to the Birmingham site and purchase tickets to one of three sessions. Uh, so on Thursday, March 16th, you have session one and session two tickets available. Um, each of those sessions are two games. And then for... Uh, Saturday, March 18th, you can purchase tickets for Session 3, which would be uh, the two games on that Saturday. If I may step up and give another thanks, I know Dick Coffey and the folks at the Birmingham Tip-Off Club put a lot of effort into this t- to the tournament, uh, and I just want to say hey to you guys. Uh, Jeremy, uh, thank you for your time, and we need to do this again before the regional gets around to us uh, and make more people in Birmingham that aren't already aware. Thank you, sir. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it, and thanks for all you do. You betcha. Um, as I said, going into this and now coming out, it's just a great event. It su- supports Birmingham. And um, as he and Lars were talking about, it drop people drop a dime when they come in here, um, whether it be through a flight, through hotels, through restaurants. Um, and it just it's kind of – I shake my head a little because mainly, you know, Time passes so fast, especially when you get older. But it just kind of amazed me when I look at 2008. Um, That's the last time it was here. So congrats to the SEC for bringing it back and the city of Birmingham for bringing it back. Uh, We will continue on Big Noon Sports. This is Big Noon Sports with Lars, Matt, and Christian. Meet Joe A, Joe B, hello, and Joe C. What's up? Three everyday Joes perfecting their banking with Chase. Joe A is locking his lost debit card with the Chase mobile app. Joe B is... Back on Big Noon Sports, Christian Miller, Matt Coulter, Lars Anderson, Joe, and Josh. Uh, just some notes to kind of pass along here. Um, Billy Packer died at the age of 82. It's a long, long. I, he must have done, what do you think, 30, 40 years as a color analyst? I, CBS I, basketball? I, just, I love Billy Packer. 
um, so good. He was enthusiastic. Um, in fact, uh, I uh, I uh, I liked him better than I did Dick Vitale. Yeah. Uh, Dickie V sometimes seemed to make it a, a, a lot about himself. Packer knew his stuff, and he was, he was the, very. He had a, a he had a charm. He had a charisma character to him. He was but, the lead college basketball analyst for thirty four yeah. straight Final Fours. First at NBC, then at CBS, and then he also did work as an analyst for uh, ACC games on Raycom and. He received a sports Emmy for Outstanding Sports Personality Studio and Sports Analyst in 1993. He was the son of a coach. He certainly knew the game like the son of a coach. And uh, he uh, uh, was uh, he went to Wake Forest where he was all ACC in 1991 and 92. And, um, yeah, just uh, he, he briefly entered coaching and then got his start as an announcer in 1972. And uh, he told The Athletic back in 2019 that he never had any goal to be a broadcaster. It just kind of fell in his lap. And, man, he just became the best. You know, he just... Uh, what's the way to say this? He explained the nuances of the game in a way that made it very understandable, which is well, almost the highest well compliment yeah. you can give a broadcaster. Well, when somebody that really knows the game can watch and enjoy a color analyst, and then somebody that doesn't know the game very well can watch and enjoy a color analyst, then you have just you have completed the spectrum. Um, the only one criticism, and this was heard early and often concerning Packer, he had a lean towards the ACC, that would almost tump him over. Yeah. Did you ever hear that? Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, you know, uh, I guess, yeah, you know, when you, you play at Wake he, Forest. So this is before Christian's time, but I was a, I was a little kid. Uh, I was eight years old, and this is probably the most famous game uh, in college basketball of my lifetime. And that was when Michigan State, led by Magic Johnson, faced Indiana State, With. led by Larry Bird, in the title game. And uh, Packer was a part of the broadcast team with Dick Enberg and Al McGuire. Allie! I mean, what, I mean, what a perfect trio to call oh. that magical game. And that that game, it remains the highest rated game in basketball history. Had a Nielsen rating, uh, a Nielsen rating of twenty four point one, an estimated thirty five point one viewers, thirty five point one million. Wow! Viewers. You know, I would have thought that uh, the NCAA game between Kentucky and Duke. But that wasn't the buildup. That was. I still remember where I was for that game. I Gosh. do too. I didn't see it. I was. I have a great story what? about that, but no, I didn't see it. I was a. I was a junior at American University. My daughter, at age six, was playing in her first ever softball game. The heck with Kentucky and Duke. I went and watched her, and she got a hit. Well, I maintain that that was the greatest sporting I, event of that night, and not Christian Leitner. That's. That's a good story. Yeah. You can't really uh, top that one. Uh, 
And um, I, I don't think I told you this, but, uh, you know, my girls, they had their, their birthday party on Wednesday. They just turned six. And tonight I'm taking them out on their first daddy date. And, and I, I'm, so I'm, you're, and I'm, so I'm, I'm, you're I'm, going I'm, to Chuck's. We're going to Chuck E. Cheese's. Not Chuck. Chuck E. Cheese. Chuck's like the place out there on <laughs> yeah. 280. Uh, going to Chuck E. Cheese. Uh, I'm going to bring them uh, each a rose and ask them if they'll be my date. Aren't you so sweet? It's going to be fun. Oh, it's awesome. Did, um, you, did you do that with your daughter? Yes, I did. I, I, do you remember your first daddy-daughter date? Um, no, I really don't. Sorry. Um... But girls are special in daddy's eyes, so. Yeah. Um, and Chuck E. Cheese, I'm not going to dive I'm, down, I, no, I'm, I'm I, hey, down I, that road. You know what? When <laughs> when April told me that they wanted to go to Chuck E. Cheese, I was like, okay, well, I'm dropping 200 <laughs> There you go. Um, you'll spend $25 a piece just on tokens. Also, oh, oh, you can win a pencil eraser. <laughs> yes. It is quite the racket at Chuck E. Cheese. Christian, are, did, <laughs> can I imagine, did Corey, did Corey ever take you to Chuck E. Cheese? <laughs> no. I, I, like I said, man, I, I was raised by my mom, but no, neither one of them yeah. uh, took me to Chuck E. Cheese. No, I mean, I probably maybe had a birthday party uh, I attended for a friend, but uh, I don't I don't recall going to Chuck E. Cheese. I was always out in, outside skateboarding or fishing or uh, just doing anything outside I could. You know, Christian, uh, one of my students uh, who I was talking with yesterday uh, is interning there at uh, at Tide, and um, he he told me that he, he met you, and he could not believe how big you were. <laughs> could not believe. <laughs> like He's like, he looks like he still can play, and, and you do. You do look like you still can play. Well, I mean, I'm only 26. Um, I mean, I'd hope I can. I mean, I work out every day. I mean, <laughs> like I said, I mean, I, I kind of started choosing not to play. So, I mean, yeah, I'd, I'd hope so. That, that means I tell him I appreciate yeah. it. I, I try to stay in shape. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm really not going anywhere with that other than just that Christian's a pretty big dude. <laughs> and, uh, you know, having sat beside him for two hours every Saturday in the fall, um, he is—he does work out. You ready? You ready to go back to the NFL, Christian? Let me just throw an uncomfortable question at you. <laughs> no, I mean, like I said, I—I I, I made the decision to kind of step away from football just because you know stuff I got going on with my family and, and my mom doing her treatment for cancer. So, uh, no, I'm—I'm I'm, I'm happy with what I'm doing right now in the media, and you know, if I ever cross that bridge, and I'll decide then. But right now, I'm. Uh, you know, very, very happy with what I'm doing, being able to cover sports and um, build something, you know, with this show and, and the podcast we're doing, uh, my dad over at the Miller's Edge on YouTube, uh, doing some business stuff as well. So uh, I'm actually uh, happy with what I'm doing right now. So that's that's not really, you know, where my focus is right now. Well, I don't want to keep the love fest going too long, but we're, we're lucky to have you, Christian, and you're you're destined for just amazing things if you want to keep pursuing career in media. And, uh, you know, again, we're, we're lucky to have you as, uh, as you're sort of at the basement floor, just like about ready to zoom all the way up to the 99th floor. No, so, I appreciate uh, that. We'll, 
Just, just, just remember us when uh, yeah. you are. Don't forget the little people. Yeah. <laughs> um, hey, when we get back, I'm gonna clean out my mailbox. I, you know, I, I keep notes every day we do a show, and just a bunch of just different random things. Um, the most noted be, and how many times have I said that? Did you hear what Charles Barkley said? We'll be back on Big Noon Sports. This is the Big Noon Sports Network. Want to know what's going on with the Crimson Tide? Download the Tide 100.9 app today. Score! You know that Big Bargain detergent jug is 85% water, right? 85% water? I thought I was getting a better deal because it's so big. If you want a better... Partly to mostly sunny, the high 59. And for Sunday, wet weather is back. Cloudy with occasional rain, the high Sunday, 58. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 54 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Charles Barkley's never been one to shy away from any topic. He's never been one to shy away from a microphone. But um, he's doing his NBA thing, and they start talking. Good time for my computer to crash, although I think I have most of this from memory. Um, They're talking about the NBA All-Star vote, which belongs to the fans. Well, Charles says on air in front of millions, um... I don't think the fans should vote something. They, look what they did last time we elected a president. <laughs> now, I haven't seen the video, but I imagine Jaws dropped on the set. They, they said in the story that indeed it did. There's Barkley. Yeah, here's one of my favorite stories, and, and, it, and it does have an attachment about Barkley. Um, <laughs> his, his sweet mom, which I, I actually got to know her better than I did Charles, uh, and therein lies why Charles and I remain pretty good friends to this day. But um, Charles was talking about something with his mom, and um, he was talking about, um, she was saying with uh, all the people that have the money, and they're all, uh, they're all Republicans. And Charles Barkley said, I have a lot of money. Um, I love Charles Barkley. I do, too. And I I, I don't want to get into the political side of that. I just think it was funny. And yeah. he may have said it to be funny. Knowing Charles, yeah, it probably wasn't just meant to be funny. Okay. <laughs> People, we let the fans vote. Look what happened last time they got to vote for president. All right. Uh, <laughs> hey, now. <laughs> wow, really good quick on the trigger there, gentlemen. All right, for the last few minutes of the show, we have uh, Corey Miller joining us, uh, father of our own Christian Miller. Corey, how are you doing today, bud? Doing good, man. Just uh, just got a couple of meetings and then been enjoying listening to you guys. But I want to tell you, Christian has been to Chuck E. Cheese for a party, but he was small. He may not remember that, by the way. <laughs> there we go. This is this is the information we yeah, need. We need that. <laughs> yeah. I bet he kicked butt yeah, on we... every game, though. Well, I bet he's really good at like whack a mole. <laughs> yeah, we actually went. To I can't a, see I you in that up. big. I can't see him. No, we were up in Charlotte uh, a couple of years ago when he was at the Panthers. We went, Christian. What was the 
game thing with me, you and CJ, and your your guys, significant other. Uh, I we went to uh, Frankie's Fun Park. Frankie's Fun Park. Yeah, that, that, <laughs> man, that's way different than Chuck E. Cheese. They got go karts. <laughs> That's that's like a that's like a like a mini amusement park kind of thing. It's it's like a very they have a lot of games in there too. But yeah, that's like an adult Chuck E. Cheese, I guess. There's no dang mice <laughs> on stages playing music, so <laughs> not that. But yeah, no, we did we did that. Maybe we did uh, go to Chuck E. Cheese. I don't know. Like I guess I don't really remember that crap. I, 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 no, we did it was a party. We did a party, and you were CJ. I think it was CJ's party, but. You you were three years younger, so you may not remember. Yeah, right off of uh, St. Andrews Road here in Columbia, Chuck E. Cheese, and I actually had a good time. I think I might have had the most fun back then. <laughs> I don't <laughs> it doubt it. Made my own part. I don't doubt it. <laughs> okay, uh, sorry, yeah, didn't mean to interrupt, but uh, just running low on time here. Corey, can you give us your breakdown first of the NFC Championship game? You got San Francisco traveling. Uh, to Philadelphia, who do you like in that game? And just give us your analysis. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a good one, man. I, you would have thought that Iowa State and Oklahoma game years ago, Jalen Hurts and, and Brock Purdy would, would be playing for a uh, NFC Championship game with the right to go to the Super Bowl. But, you know, when I look at the San Francisco team, uh, their physicality, uh, the offensive line is great. Of course, you got C-Mac and Debo Samuel and Jennings and, and you know, IU. I mean, they got players everywhere. Uh, they don't miss anything on offense nor defense, which I really love. D'Amico Ryans and how he plays, those safeties. Man, they come and hit you with bad intentions. Those linebackers with Fred Warner running, Bosa on the edge. I mean, Armstead up the middle. They're loaded. Uh, but I know how hard it is to win in Philly. And those fans are loud and crazy. Jalen is spectacular. I still think uh, he's going to get uh, – he might get the player of the year. Um, in the National Football League, they run it. They offer the line. They're similar teams. So, I, I want to pull for Jalen, but I got to pull for my Gamecocks, Debo Samuel and Ken Law. I think San Francisco comes in and upsets Philadelphia. I hate to say that because if Arion, Jalen's dad, is listening to me, my dude, picking against him, he's probably going to be mad. But I just I just got a gut feeling, man, this Mr. Irrelevant is going to be in Arizona for the Super Bowl. How big of a home field advantage is uh, playing at, uh, I believe it's called Lincoln Field now, in, in Philadelphia? It's big. I mean, their fan base is one of the most fun fan bases in all of the National Football League, and they're loud. They're going to curse you out. Ask Eli Manning. They're going to do everything to get you off kilter and get you to lose your focus. And home field, that's why, you you know, you play the game to get home field advantage. It should be an advantage. Uh, you win, you get a bye week, and two wins, you're in the Super Bowl. But San Francisco just built different, man. I, I just, I tell you what, I just got a ton of respect. He's the quarterback was seven and no, unbelievable story. I, I just think he gets the best end of Jalen Hurts in this game, and uh, and they're going to play for a Super Bowl. Give us your thoughts on the AFC Championship. You know, Joe Burrow facing going to Arrowhead. They've uh, actually been calling it Burrowhead. Uh, what are your thoughts on that game? You see uh, <laughs> Patrick Mahomes being able to play and, and make an impact, even though he's dealing with that high ankle sprain. Here's what I know. Joe Burrow has beat Mahomes three games in a row. They're talking smack. Joe Burrow is acting up. He's Joe Cool. He's wearing a turtleneck. He, you know, he's talking about getting your, your, your receipts and getting your money back. I mean, they are chirping too much for me. And I know Patrick Mahomes, I saw him. He looks good. I think his ankle's going to be fine. Uh, listen, the weakness is going to be the, in, the interior offensive line of Cincinnati. I know they played well last week, but 
They got to go against the defensive front of Kansas City. That's pretty good. Patrick Mahomes here. He hears all this stuff. I know Kelsey does. I heard his interview. Kansas City wins by double digits in this ball game. Mark it down. It's going to be Kansas City by 10 or more points. Patrick Holmes will go and play for our Super Bowl. And listen, I hope somebody knocked the manures out of Joe Burrow's mouth. I'm sorry. I know I'm a preacher. Forgive me. Give me some grace today, okay? But listen, back in the day, if a quarterback was raising his voice and took some smack, we ain't going to knock the Jesus out of his velour teeth. That's the bottom line. And it's the, But they know you can't hit them now. They know you can't tackle them too hard because they're going to be a flag. That's why these quarterbacks are chirping. But somebody, please, in Kansas City, pay Mr. Burrow a visit right in the chops because he's talking too much. And I think that's going to happen. Uh, Lars, I got, we got to have a reaction here uh, now. He's rendered me speechless. Uh, I, 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 I couldn't disagree with you anymore. But uh, there's a reason why Burrow is 3-0 and against Kansas City, a reason why he's 3-0 and against Mahomes, uh, a reason why they came back from an 18-point <laughs> deficit to beat Kansas City last year. Uh, I think if you do an analysis of position group by position group, uh, Cincinnati has the edge uh, overall. Um, and I, I think it's going to come down to the Cincinnati defense, just like last year, uh, making a big play and uh, getting Burrow, or not Burrow, getting Mahomes just absolutely confused. Uh, you know, he, he, Mahomes looked like he didn't know what he was doing in the second half of that game in the AFC Championship game. And when they played in the regular season this year, Cincinnati, they could have blown them out. I mean, Tyler Boyd drops an easy touchdown pass, and, and there are a couple other plays that really went Kansas City's way. I, I think Cincinnati wins by double digits just because, again, you, you do, an analysis, uh, do an analysis of the roster, an analysis of the position groups. Cincinnati has the dramatic edge, and these guys aren't afraid of anybody. And, uh, you know, when you second touch, when you, go ahead. I'm putting we got a, half I'm a minute a here. Chuck E. Cheese on this. You and I, but I know you, I hear your fandom coming out of your break there, right? I must know you're a Cincinnati fan. Look for them balloons on the ground. Where they at, Arrowhead? Where they, where's your pair of teeth? Watch big number 95 coming up uh, the middle. Mouth of hey. this Must. Must Listen Radio, Monday, Joe Burrow's the rematch. He's and that Corey guy. and Lars will go at it again. Have a fabulous, blessed weekend. Hey, good morning. You're heading to the airport, right? Yep, yeah, thanks for checking. I like the car. How long have you been a rideshare driver? About three years now, but I really enjoy it. As 